0: Maybe big data has gotten too big. Whether you're a B2B marketer or a consumer brand, your data needs to be viable, relevant, and accessible so that Starista can help you retain customers, acquire customers, and make it personal. Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Sturista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ear. I'm Vin, the producer here at Starista goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders and get their take on the current challenges of the market. And we'll have a little fun along the way. In today's episode, Cole Reben, Senior Director of Marketing at Active Environment, chats with us about how appealing the residential level instead of a commercial space can create great opportunities, offering premium services to premium buyers. Give it a listen. Ladies and
1: gentlemen, hello and welcome to another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir am your host the freshly haircutted vincent petrofessa the vice president of b2b products and partnerships and still interim general manager of the b2b division here they have not taken that title away nor have they taken the interim away and just made me general manager let's talk to my ceo about that in a moment but other than that ladies and gentlemen it is great to be here i missed you i feel like it's been a while since i've talked To the audience. And I've talked to my co-host, but before we get to my co-host, because the last episode, he was not here. He's very busy with year-end stuff, but now he's here. But let's pause for a second and talk about Starista. It's the only time we talk about us. We are a marketing technology company. We own our own business-to-business data, our own business-to-consumer data. We help companies utilize that data through our own technology, our own ESP, our own DSP to help serve connected TV and display, email. We help you get new customers. Email me at vincent.starista.com. You are using it. I just gave you my email address and boy are you using it, thank you. Not always for what I intended to be, but hey, that's okay. You tell me how much you like the show. You tell me, are you an AJ like this in real life? You ask, we are, this is real life. What do you think we are? We have the day jobs, we just don't do this. Anyway, it is so good to be here. I have not talked to this gentleman in a long time. It seems my CEO. He's donned it all orange. He's glowing, ladies and gentlemen. AJ Gupta, what's going on?
2: Hey, everyone. Supporting my uh, not-so-fresh haircut, but equally as excited to be here.
1: Nice, nice. Well, I think the audience knows by now that your haircut schedule is not nearly as mine, like mine. I'm every 10 days. You're every you know four months but hey we'll get there we'll yeah. get there when you come visit me in new york it was good to see you aj and i last time i saw you we were in las vegas we we're just talking to our uh awesome upcoming guest about las vegas and we were there met some great people there who might come and visit us here in new york with a great group of people aj received a few awards representing you know asian-owned companies but i haven't seen you since but rumor has it you're coming up to new york city soon is there are the rumors true aj
2: that is right uh, i get a couple of weeks of break here i was uh, in uh, india for about 3 weeks so and then i had a quick trip to california so it's been uh, i guess uh, i've traveled every week since i last uh, saw you in vegas which was a remarkable show shout out to our Fast uh, 100 Asian American conference. That was a uh, very good one. Rarely do you meet so many cool people in one place. But so we yeah. had a uh, blast that night uh, at uh, the reception and the uh, dinner.
1: Yeah, it was a it was a great time. And we're uh, yeah, I was just due I had a vacation myself. I just got back from Copenhagen, and I'm as happy too. Just to kind of chill. Got some great client meetings lined up. But let's talk about. Cool people, let's talk about great people. I'm happy we have this next guest. One of the more unique companies that we've had on the podcast. You'll hear why in a moment. Um, and he's just he's just a great guy. Uh, met him before, talked to him, not in person. We're gonna change that, Cole. Ladies and gentlemen, the Senior Director of Marketing at Aptive Environmental, Cole Reben, what's going on, Cole?
0: Hey, thanks for having me on. Um... I will have to also give your haircut a shout out i am due for a clean cut as well here pretty soon and uh it's pretty fresh so well done well done to your barber
1: thank you thank you yeah every every 10 days my barber they think uh you know they they, they love me there is i'm always at uh, 10 days it's uh like clockwork it's probably a problem i'm sure there's you know i have some issues there but you're you're looking fresh though cole don't worry about it you're looking good happy to have you on I, you know, let's get right into it because, you know, again, one of the more unique companies that we have on, for those listening, tell us about Aptive Environmental and then your role within the organization.
0: Yeah. Um, so Aptive is a pest control company. We have been around really collectively for um, for over 13 years. Um, in, in the past, we've kind of we've we've made some company structure changes. We've had some transactions, um, but um, we've been known as active for uh, at least the last uh, six years. And um, the reality uh, that the kind of what makes us unique is we, we definitely do focus on residential pest control. Um, we we focus on general pest control, but our methodology of getting the word out and bringing in um uh, demand and interest is, is pretty unique it, it may, i wouldn't say maybe unique to utah because it, and we are headquartered in utah uh because it's a little bit more popular in utah but we do have a big door-to-door program um so we have a lot of door-to-door guys going out during the summer and um kind of on both sides of of the summer a little bit uh knocking doors and Um, generating demand around pest control where the pest activity is. And so as you know, the summers can be, the summers are the pervasive uh, timeframes of pest activity, pests being, um, you know, ants, spiders, whatever it might be based on your geography, um, a lot more active. And so it's a pretty Uh, As far as door-to-door sales go, the guys love coming to Pest Control because it's a very easy um, transaction, very easy uh, customer acquisition uh, because it's a problem everywhere. It's a demand that's always there and really just comes down to do we have a product or service that stands out and uh, especially on the customer service side from our competitors and we believe we do. So it gives them a leg up in in the space.
1: And yeah, well, Cole, I need you here in New York City. You know, the we we are they're rats, I wish it was just spiders and all that other stuff. But we, uh, we definitely need you here. Uh, we're going to get into more of, you know, the marketing aspects. That's definitely unique. And I know you're also doing some other, uh, getting into some other channels too, as you brought in, uh, you know, here in, in the US. But your role, talk to us about what you're doing there, right? What are you in charge of? What are your initiatives? And then how you got into marketing It's one of our staple questions that people love hearing about. It's usually not a direct path.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I here at, uh, Aptiv I oversee all the marketing. So, um, uh, kind of how I'm what marketing does here in our organization is, is bundled into our strategic and transformation type of structure, at Aptiv and, um, but but my responsibilities um on a day-to-day are the overall pnl for marketing um driving demand acquisition to the inside sales group Um, we have a call center of 50 plus receiving calls um, through our digital and traditional efforts and so um, I oversee groups facilitating that lead generation. Um, I also oversee our customer communications and our brand. Um, and so, so, yeah, uh, pretty much oversee all of it and um, love it. love the love the dynamics day to day. the 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 more we grow, the more it seems like my time is spent. Um, Putting out fires at times but that's the reality um and anyway getting into how i got into marketing um i i do have a degree in business and emphasis marketing uh i've known for a long time that i wanted to be a mark like that i wanted to be in marketing my father was in law enforcement he he uh, was lapd for 21 years So I knew very quickly growing up in Southern California and my dad being a police officer, but I did not want to be a police officer growing up. So that was pretty apparent to me. And I am naturally just kind of a, a a salesperson at heart, honestly. And so I was that, I was that kid in high school. Uh, I I remember my senior year ripping off our senior sweatshirts and doing my own version and, and selling more than our high school did. That's just my. That's just always been in my blood. And so <laughs> that that marketer, that just kind of like innate nature, uh, just exists with me. And and my start really happened uh, when I kind of got infatuated with Google and algorithms and and search um, um, in the early two thousands. And so uh, from there, it's blossomed to all
1: marketing. That's awesome.
2: Well, fascinating story. Uh, tell us a little bit about. Uh, Jumping into marketing, you know, what are some of the channels and strategies that work for you and what might not be working?
0: Yeah, totally. Um, We, we definitely rely heavily on Google, uh, especially we have brick and mortars, uh, not necessarily locations where we are receiving customers on a regular basis, but our service pros go to a location and get their training and, and, uh, and their equipment and, and product at those locations. So local listings on Google are huge for us. Um, they give us a grassroots too, to our locations. And so that's that's always top of mind for us. Uh, on an advertising channel space, um, Google also is, is definitely top of mind. What is interesting is this year has been very unique. Uh, in, um, in the cost per click world. And so we've had to really dynamically change pr- quite aggressively this year to be very heavy in our affiliate approach, um, to our channel, our, our, our obligation to certain channels for lead generation. Um, and so, so yeah, so, so affiliate's a big channel for us as well. And, and when I refer to affiliate in our space, it's kind of like a channel partnership. It's, it's the, um, it's, you know, an aggregate of of lead aggregators plus shopping comparison websites and and um, different
2: channels like that. Nicole, actually, I was talking to one of my colleagues right before this at lunch, and he told me uh, he found you guys through door to door marketing. Uh, so you know, that's historically been a big part of your success. So what are some of the advantages you've seen with the door-to-door approach?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'll talk a little bit about the advantages, and, and there's some disadvantages there too. Um, from a generating demand side, um, a huge advantage is go-to-market. Um, learning, learning a market with a door-to-door force can be very effective, uh, especially because the, um, the, the commission structure is very back-end heavy. Um, it's, it's, you know, once there's a legitimate uh, service provided and we can kind of, we have some metrics tied to retention and, and, and we tie a lot of our commission to retention. And so knowing that we can go in and discover a lot about a market at a very, at a very affordable level. Um, and, and because of our technology, we have very, we have sophisticated and proprietary apps for our sales reps that we get a lot of data um, we get a lot of data back that we can learn about um, and and we've established at this point demi decile um, neighborhoods and and gotten pretty deep into the data and what is a good area to knock what is a good area to follow through with digital and, and direct mail and and now we use those channels very cohesively at, um, unlike other door-to-door companies who silo their digital strategy from their door-to-door strategy and sometimes compete um i know i was at a a different company before that really they ended up just competing and and to have more of a channel collaboration between door-to-door and and our you know inside sales digital marketing channels has been very effective and so so yeah i would say go-to-market is probably one of in my opinion one of the the greatest legs up to having a door-to-door strategy
1: and and Cole, let's talk about that door-to-door strategy for a moment, right? We often talk on this podcast about the effects, positive or negative, of COVID over these last years. What effect did that have on door-to-door, right? Um, you know, people weren't really leaving the house, let alone opening their door. What, you talk to us about that.
0: Yeah, you know, going into all of us were in the dark, right? At the beginning of of the pandemic, we really didn't know what effects it was gonna have on the economy. We didn't know how, we obviously didn't know how long it was gonna last, but those of us in our business units, um, trying to stay strategic, wanted to make sure we were being careful. One, our number one priority were our people, right? Like, make sure our people are safe, make sure they're, we're, we're, you know, work remote where we need to and, uh, and we have a lot of we have uh, over 2,000 service pros out there across the country. We've got uh, 2,000 sales reps out there. We've got 500 corporate employees, and so we really wanted that. That was first and foremost. Um, but so, so in that sense of strategically planning out that year and trying to, and we were we were literally holding task forces on a weekly basis, going, "What kind of things do we need to change?" We had lots of HR things we needed to change. But on this, on the revenue side, it was we were worried, right? Because um, the, the government basically controlled uh, what company, what type of businesses could do business, and so mm-hmm. luckily, I would say luckily, but but good for everyone. Um, our vertical was one of those um, um, businesses that um, that was you
1: know, like necessary. Kind of, they called it, or they called it essential, yeah. right? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It was an
0: essential business, uh, essential service. And so that that was huge um, because to to be recognized that way kind of, it, it also put our, our technicians and others at ease because they were all worried. They're all worried of like, man, am I not going to have a job? Um, uh, am I not going to have income during all of this? It was, it was scary for them. So to be able to be able to go to them and say, no, 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 where we are, running normal business Mm. and we just have to change some things like wearing masks like you know a lot of things a lot of us had to change. and so um our take was at first like probably gonna have to um go I mean we were worried about the door-to-door side we were worried about um new customer acquisition um obviously worried about taking care of our customers the best way they can because we, we we typically service inside the homes as well, but inside the homes is a lot more of a sensitive subject during COVID. And so we really made it our interest to make sure that the customer was very adamant about servicing inside the home before we did, um, and then make sure we passed off certain checklists. Um, on the door-to-door side, it was surprising to find out we had the best year that we've had to date uh, wow. And as the numbers started coming back and, and as they were having huge successes, the anecdotal started with people wanted to talk to people. They were in their homes uh, talking to themselves, being alone, uh, depressed. To have somebody come to their door randomly and have a conversation was refreshing. And so that was and, and, and that's not me <laughs> as, as a person. So it was it was very interesting to get that feedback. And the more we collected feedback on it, that was that that came through evidently um, that people wanted to talk to people. And so that was very refreshing. It was actually very it made me very hopeful in humanity uh, mm-hmm. simultaneously during that very, I'd call it our, our, our own little dark age. Yeah. Uh, and so so, yeah, that was that was different. That was new. That was that was very cool to see. And um Yeah, we had an amazing year that year financially, um, and um, it was um, it was it it was a blessing for so many people in our company.
1: Well, to piggyback that call, is it kind of like because we've had companies on the podcast, the City Furniture, right? They're like our. We had a great year because people looked around at their homes. They're at home and they're like, oh, my cow myself is awful. And so they would upgrade. Did you experience that at Aptive where it was like people were just home and they're like, oh, wait a minute, I should get, you know, I should improve my home by making sure, you know, we have pest control. Is it you think people thought that way where they were like, oh, I'm in my home and my yard a little more, let's take care of an issue maybe I didn't see before.
0: Yes, yes. Um, on a macro side, I truly believe that there are there were stimulus factors that led to people being more mindful and willing to spend in certain categories that they might not have been willing to spend before, where they might have just bought something off the shelf for pest control instead of using a service. Um, so there are some macro uh, pieces of it, but uh, definitely, as we put out surveys, people were home. They were on their they were in their uh, newly, um, uh, built offices in their homes that they didn't have before. And they're taking calls all day, or they're, they're doing things in their home that they've not been in for a while and they're stuck in home. So they're noticing the things they're noticing the ants. They may not have noticed before they're noticing the, the activity that, that they may have overlooked before. And they made it a priority because this is their, 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 kind of stuck here. (laughs) So, so anyway, that was the feedback. We definitely got a lot of that feedback as far as a propensity to purchase um, that, 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 that those were a lot of the motives. And yes, so definitely people being home, we saw the online demand um, that was definitely tied to the fact that they were stuck at home and these were top of mind. And there was definitely a factor of um, additional income stimulus at the time.
2: Well, what are some of the types of brand partnerships that you guys have had, and whether it's with brands or individuals, and how effective has that been for you?
0: Yeah, you know, um, doing some brand awareness plays is always kind of risky when you're not when you're not a category leader. When you're a category leader, or at least tied in category space. Um, it, I, I, I believe, at least from my findings and my experience, that, you know, there's there's more one-to-one data that can showcase some leaps over your com- competition. We wanted to test. Um, we, we've noticed that our competitors are really digging heavy into the commercial space. And so we wanted to really raise awareness for, um, you know, in the residential. So appealing to the consumer at the residential level. But we are also more of a premium service Uh, so we wanted to appeal to um, a premium buyer so one of the opportunities that came um across that we've kind of been working on for a while was to partner up with tony finau um professional golfer on tour and um amazing golfer he's a he's a utah native and um so like from a partnership stance uh it just made sense storytelling wise you know he he was uh Small town, Rose Park, Salt Lake City area, um, making it big time and making a name for himself. Uh, we were trying to do the same thing, be be bigger than a Utah headquartered pest control company. We're going nationwide, and so it helped with some of the storytelling. But the but having our name on his bag as big as it was, and the type of screen time you get for that audience was very effective. And um, and it, it was it's it's still. A pretty niche sport when it comes to the, a sport partnership like that, um, but the propensity to purchase is very high in that sport, and so we definitely saw some some lift in awareness, obviously, but but some residual website traffic purchasing. We we stood up um, ambassador pages to do some direct marketing, and uh, and it was and it was effective, um, and 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 it and part of our overall brand awareness testing, and so. We, we are trying all sorts of stuff like that. Some, some in the sports, some in, you know, in, uh, um, you know I, I'm working on some podcast uh, um, sponsorship deals um, that are tied more closely to the female audience. And so, um, yeah, I think uh, we, we, we have locally here, there's, there's a benefit to doing some of the brand awareness and sponsorship things that we have a heavy recruitment season as well. Um, knowing that we have a big door-to-door force and that that's an important part for us, uh, regardless of how it scales over the years or, de- or or reduces in scale, it'll always be some part of our business structure. And um, we have a lot of door-to-door companies, summer selling companies, MLM companies, uh, uh, th- that all kind of appeal to the same audiences, that young uh, college level audience that, that uh, has a summer off that wants to go and, and, uh, and grind, grind for a, a summer and knock doors. And um, so we do have competition here in Utah to, to land that kind of talent. And um, so when we do partnerships here, like we have a partnership with the jazz, we've, we've, we named there uh, one of the sections, um, kind of a dedicated loft area. Um, we've got some, there's obviously some recruitment and hospitality perks that comes with that. But Uh, comes with a lot of advertising and marketing. Um, I can double dip into those type of relationships to drive customer acquisition, but then also benefit and drive costs down for the, um, aggressive recruitment tactics as well. So, so, so I typically try to double dip in that strategy so that it, so, you know, ROI is always difficult in that space. Very difficult. And So when you can, when you can, um, tie into, um, recruitment and acquisition of a customer, it, it better tells a story.
2: And Cole, sounds like you have to you know, maintain a, your big brand messaging because it is a premium service, but also still need to appeal in kind of the local grassroots market as well. So how do you balance that in your messaging?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think one of our um, strategies that we lean on heavily is, we recognize early on that in our vertical, people aren't really um, loyal to a brand. You in other verticals, it's very possible, but but the brand has to be more than just a lifestyle. And, and we go very lifestyle in our style and our ID in our visual ID in our messaging. But what they what they are really loyal to is that service pro that that service pro that comes that's consistent that's their guy or that's their gal. Um, and so we try to we try to tap into that in our messaging and in our operations. Um, even even at the call center level, we have very sophisticated uh, IVRs that go to a dedicated um, customer associate. That is dedicated. To that person. It's going to be that person's signature that's on every email, on every text message, every notification. It's going to come from that person. So we've found a way to automate, obviously, pieces of that, but everything funnels into that one dedicated account manager as if they were managing a large corporate account. They're managing a pool of customers that that is their account manager. And um, and then on top of that, you know, maintaining uh, as best that we can because there's turnover um, uh, getting that service pro on that same route um, to, to service those same customers. So, so we use a lot of, in our messaging, our, our product service has the, has to really speak for itself and to really feel grassroots and and and, and do that at a national level and still scale. Um, that is a, a huge piece to us is to, to keep it as um, tied back to that service professional who is the core front line of our service and what we do. Um, the more we tie back to that, it's very powerful for our local uh, markets.
1: So Cole, would you say that a big differentiator from some of the other companies out there that people may know or not know is, is that service pro Uh, in addition to that, what else would you say are some differentiators?
0: Yeah. So I would say that I would say um, we have typically most of our competitors just do this standard quarterly plan. And somebody comes out, does their standard service. We actually have multiple plans and most of our competitors do not and in our plans we can come out more frequently we have different uh reservice strategies of uh when a new pest shows up in, in between service cycles um so the type of plans we have is definitely unique um and then that that comes with some unique training for our service pros we i i hate over promising pure customization um, because it can set people up for failure, but our service pros really respond well to, and they're trained this way, to dynamic needs. Um, even at my house, uh, I use our service, and um, our service pro uh, recognized this last time that there was some new construction that was happening and noticed some bull activity happening adjacent to my property and just preempted it with some, with some traps. And so it wasn't a problem I was seeing yet, but it was a preemptive measure, and it was, it's powerful. It gives me trust in the service. And so, so yeah, um, the type of plans and the service pros that the way that they're trained is definitely unique to that. We have a, we have a specific what we call active university here where we have very unique training for our service pros and, you know, it comes at a risk because it's, it's, we put a lot of budget behind that a lot of um, money and sometimes you end up training people up and they go and kind of chase uh, some pipe dreams on you know, companies that might just give crazier bonuses that they might not live up to, and we know that risk. We know that risk of elevating the service pros, but it's it's worth it. it when when we've when it's come down to it, elevating the service pros collectively in our vertical um, and being the ones known to do that is is definitely worth it for us. The risk.
1: That's that's very interesting. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Where you're like, oh, you're also offering like the training to people yeah. to to go through that. Wow. So. Cole, you touched upon it a little bit and I wanted to get back to it because, you know, we do talk about marketing here on the marketing stir, the nationwide, the nationwide tactics that you're using, right? You did mention some digital, you mentioned direct mail in those areas or in conjunction with those areas that you're doing the door to door. Talk to us about that nationwide marketing uh, plan.
0: Yeah. So, um, I rely heavily on data here and, you know, we get a lot of data back from what door to door is doing. So I know that there are a variety of neighborhoods out there that are gated communities that will not allow door to door people. So I know that those are my number one places to go hit with direct mail. Um, and I know that in, uh, I can, I know, I, I know a group of salespeople are going to knock a neighborhood at a certain time so I can preempt and, um, canvas that area prior with some soft marketing so that they're even more effective and have better close rates. And then I can follow it through with more uh, both uh, IP focused uh, digital ads and uh, direct mail after they're done knocking. And so, um, so, so uh, that, that is a lot of some of our direct strategy when it comes to combining our, our national direct to home sales versus or uh, t- tying it in with our inside sales. Um, I think it really, like, it, uh, it, it was fun. When I first started here, it was just door to door. And so I, I stood up the whole marketing, digital marketing uh, part of it. And um, it was validating for me and for others. I remember getting a, a, a text message like, two the first two months I was here and somebody's like I was at a door with a customer I had my iPad and I was going through and they were asking me how much is going to cost over the year and so I, I brought open my calculator and there at the bottom of the calculator was an and ad and that was so validating and, and provided credentials for me as, as a salesperson at the door and, and uh, that was additionally validating that our IP targeting was working and our retargeting was working and, and so so we're in display channels um, we're in a lot. I mean, there's a lot of channels I want to be heavier in, um, but uh, there really isn't a channel that we haven't um, at least tested into. Um, we definitely have learned which ones are effective and less effective. Um, social, for example, is not nearly as effective for generating demand, but but much more effective for retargeting and um, further down the funnel, um, you know, off of website traffic or some other interaction or multiple interactions somebody's had with us. And so, so yeah, we, uh, we rely heavily on, um, local to go, uh, on a national level. We we do a lot of SEO and so showing up in, in, in search and competing with Turbinix and Orkin and other regional players, um, is important for us in search. And then, um, buying up TV spots where I can, I have, uh, we're not huge on the TV side right now, just kind of based on where we kind of are currently landing in the awareness space. It's. We'd end up spending so much just to get maybe a few more um, um, notches up the ladder on on being competitive with our with our category leaders, but we're getting there. And so, um, so yeah, so it's 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 a mix of a lot of channels. But I've learned that um, since we're not big, it gives us a really good time, chance to learn um, how to meld these channels into a funnel. And learn which channels are best at different areas of the funnel. And then as we grow in awareness, that dynamic will change. Those channels will, will operate a little bit differently in those funnels as we grow. And so um, I'm, I've got an excellent team that, that definitely is at the forefront of making sure we're we're acting dynamic there.
2: Well, one of our staple questions here marketing stirred is around LinkedIn. So I'm sure based on your job title and job description, uh, you get a lot of unsolicited messages on LinkedIn. So what's a message that gets your attention, and what's one that really annoys you?
0: One that gets my attention, whether it's LinkedIn or on an email, is is something that starts with collaboration. Um, I'm, I'm huge into collaborating, and, and usually I have found that um, people just – doing an automated message or, or redundant software message are not going to use language like collaboration. But when I see collaboration, it's usually an influencer or there's some type of more unique idea or structure behind it. So collaboration will always be a hot word for, or at least for now, for me, if I see it in a subject line or or, or if I kind of skim and see it in a message. What does not work, and one of my strategies for not opening up certain messages is, when I see a business development title, if I see a business development title, I'm most likely not going to click it. Uh, um, maybe if I see a brand I recognize and it's like a, uh, an affiliate website or something like that, I might, I might uh, ping a, uh, somebody on my team, but chances are, and, and most of the time happens is that I'm getting some type of automated message uh, trying to convert me to another software or product and, Um, and that it's most likely not going to get an open for me at all. LinkedIn is where you can see that. Obviously, email, it's really hard to tell, almost.
2: Well, as we kind of come to the end of this podcast, one of the things we like to do is get to know our guests a little bit better as well. So, Can you tell us a little bit about what you like to do when you're not busy crafting marketing strategies?
0: Yeah. Yeah. me and my family. So I have a um, a wife and two kids, twin girls that just turned eight, and we do like to stay active. We just, you know, we did a big bike ride all the way down in Vegas. Challenged the girls on a little on a what well, a small eight miler for us, but that's big for them uh, in about a hundred degree weather. So uh, we like to do stuff like that. But we are entertainment buffs, and we love to go do Disneyland. And so we are down at Disneyland handfuls of times each year uh, um, we have a, a favorite spot we stay down there and it's it's kind of one of those trips where I don't like extended family to come I just like it being us because we have it all planned it's our thing and it's it's it actually is even though how crazy Disneyland can be uh, it's actually relaxing because you've got the controls in place and and we we have our, our rhythm and so um yeah that one's big that one's big for us and everyone here always gives me a hard time about how much Disneyland stuff I do. And, uh, you know, my wife loves Harry Potter and so we do universal. And so, yeah, we're kind of, we're kind of, and we watch so many shows. Uh, I I could watch Ted Lasso like a million times. (laughs) Uh, uh, So we, we, we love that kind of stuff.
1: So, yeah. Uh, That's awesome. What brought you, you mentioned LA. Did you grow up in LA then uh, went to Utah? So,
0: So my dad was LAPD while he was there. We lived about an hour, um, back then it was an hour traffic. It's now like two and a half hours traffic. Hmm. Uh, but we lived in a city called Laverne and, yeah. uh, it's a university there, Pomona County. Uh, I grew up there until high school. So high school is when my dad retired and we moved up to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And that's where I met my, my now wife, uh, we, nice. we did high school together. And so, um, quite a, a contrast in locations, but, uh, but I, every time I go down there and, and it's not like I grew up doing with Disneyland a lot, but that area is definitely still feels like home. Newport Beach, all yeah. those areas are very uh, home centric to me and, 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 um, and it, I've become that for my family
1: now, too. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and Cole, final words you'd like to leave our audience with, a closing thought and the you know, additional words of wisdom. The floor is yours.
0: Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I would say, uh, um, you know, one of the things I've come to learn uh, trying to develop in leadership uh, is to let um, let the people, my peers, be themselves. So sometimes I, uh, sometimes we can restrict their creativity, and 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 I do manage a creative group as well. But but even creativity when it comes to uh, a performance team that I manage as well. Uh, some of that gets uh, reduced when we're just putting, when we're when, when our expectation is your mind better only be on this. And so I like to have open conversations with my employees about other things that they're doing outside of work and then embrace it. It's a, it the, the world today is everyone's got a side gig. And I think the ones who are going to struggle to keep people around and keep them happy are the ones who either try to skirt around it and pretend it's not happening uh, or the ones who are... Uh, Getting angry at their employees for having those types of things. I'd rather embrace it and have conversations about it, and actually build into how does that affect the career path. And let's talk about that. Let's talk about um, evolution there. And and at first in my career, I always thought like, man, that's risky, especially when you have when you really rely when when hiring ebbs and flows are difficult. But the reality is, I believe they're just. Um, our, our, our peers are so much happier when when you can have those type of open dialogues. And so on top of that, I encourage them to go find their counterpart at other companies and have lunches with them and, um, and we'll, we'll expense it. And like th- those types of education, I think are super important. And we definitely have a lot of perks here. Don't get me wrong there. Like the, we, we do like everyone's a sneaker file here mm. at least becomes... So sneakers are a huge part of our culture, and and uh, so there's fun things like that. But the reality, I think, is around the the knowledge and education and and willingness to actually expand and and figure out career growth. And we have a very young company, so we have tons of employees who don't know what their path is. And to be able to have open dialogue on discovering that is very powerful. Uh, and as leaders, it helps us. It helps us understand a little bit even more about ourselves. And so anyway, that, that's kind of, I, I know it's a thing that's come up quite a bit and, mm-hmm. and a lot of people are, are, are worried about the, the the side gigs and side projects and, and all that stuff. And I think the reality is we our dynamics need to change and we need to be more accepting and open to it and, and help manage it uh, because it's, it, it is manageable. Too. And it, our best people are probably the ones who have some additional things going on, on the side and they're the ones who can't afford to um they're the ones who, w- who want to make sure to stay around and stay happy and so let's let's find a healthy balance and, and encourage it there can be an unhealthy balance for sure but let find a healthy balance and encourage it
1: i echo those sentiments so much because aj does i have a side hustle right i am a i moonlight as new york city famous vincent james the comedian here uh and aj knows that and he supports it and he uh has never limited me this is true i'm just saying that anywhere he's like oh okay i you have a great personality you're you know you're funny although he thinks he's funnier uh all right let's let's host a podcast let's you know host our summits uh, at the end so he definitely you know, uh, values the, the side hustle and utilizes it. So I, I love that, Cole. I'm glad you said that. Uh, we haven't had anyone who, who's mentioned that before. So uh, I, I love that. This has been awesome. Thank you so much, Cole, for spending some time with us, our listeners. Uh, you can, all, you know, and go check out aptive. Uh, goaptive.com, A-P-T-I-V-E, go Aptiv. Check out Cole. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Cole Reben, Senior Director of Marketing at Aptive Environmental. That's AJ Gupta. I'm Vincent Petrofessa. This has been another episode of The Marketing Stir. Thank you so much. And we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to The Marketing
0: Stir Podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, please email us at themarketingstir at Starista.com. And thanks for listening.